Well, it really is a joy for Agnes and I to be with you uh, once again. Every time we come to Rexdale, we feel like we're coming home. And you have been so, so gracious to us. Uh, Sundar and Shamala are two of our closest friends, and they have probably been uh, one of the most influential couples uh, in our lives. And uh, they have prayed for our family, and they have loved us. And so it's an honor to be in, in your church, brother. And I gave him a big hug this morning already, so I won't repeat that right now. All right. I arrived early and I did a prayer walk around your building and I must admit my prayer walks are getting a little faster and a little shorter just because of the weather, but I'm really intense and I stopped for a brief moment and I touched the side of your building and this is what I prayed for you. Uh, I, I prayed a text that comes from Ezekiel chapter 37 where Ezekiel is in that valley of dry bones and the power of the sovereign Lord comes upon him and as I touched your building, this is what I prayed. I prayed, oh, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, come from the four winds and breathe on those who are slain that they may live. And the breath came and it entered into them and they stood up a vast army. I am a man on a mission, unapologetically so, calling that the breath of the living God would come upon the Christian and missionary life. Because, friends, we never end a missionary conference. Amen. We are always on mission. We are always committed to reaching the least reached peoples of the world. And so as I stand before you, my appeal, my heart, my cry, my passion is that we would be on mission all the time, everywhere. Hallelujah, everyone. So I want to invite you into the word of God. And I know that there are those who are watching my live stream. I move around a lot. So if I disappear, I haven't left the building. Okay. And for our dear, our dear videographer, wide angle will work for you. All right. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. My message is simple, but I hope stirring to your hearts today. Because I am committed that we need to be the whole church. Yes, taking the whole gospel, hallelujah, to the whole world. But we cannot do that without the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. The alliance has always been tied directly to what we call the deeper life and mission. And friends, if you have the deeper life without mission, you have humanitarianism. You have great things, but no transformation of people's lives. And when you have mission without the deeper life, you get fanaticism. But when you have deeper life with mission, you get revolution for the kingdom of God. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were gathered together behind locked doors for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. Can you imagine that moment? The disciples had seen Jesus crucified. They had seen their dreams, their hopes, their aspirations for the kingdom evaporate in that horrid moment. And as they were huddled together in this room, For fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus, risen from the dead, comes and stands in their midst. And fear-filled disciples become faith-filled missionaries for the kingdom of God. He speaks, peace be with you. And then he shows him his hands in his side. And a room that is filled with fear all of a sudden becomes filled with a static joy. It is the Lord. I want to be there. Peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And there could have been that stirring moment within the disciples that said, the risen Lord is among us. The commission has been given. Let's go. Open the doors. We're ready. But there was a pregnant pause as Jesus takes a breath. And he breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Later, he says, go to Jerusalem and wait and wait until you are clothed from power from on high. Church of Jesus Christ, we will never reach the unreached peoples of the world without a fresh anointing, dare I say, a Holy Spirit baptism of power and fire upon the church of Jesus Christ. And so, we enter into a moment where I am going to dare you today. I'm going to dare you to expect, and I'm going to dare you to expect the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, at work in your church, at work in your community, at work in Canada, hallelujah, at work around the world, but without agenda. Shall we pray? Father, we come in humility today. We come with our own sense of desperation. We come very aware of our own insignificance and insecurity. How do we reach a world that is lost? Father, we recognize that we are in need of a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. A fresh anointing of the Spirit of the living God upon your church. And so we come simply with the posture of thirst. And we remember Jesus as you stood and as you spoke and said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come. If you believe that I am as the Scriptures say I am, then from your inmost being will flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke of the Spirit. And so, God, in this moment, unleash your power upon us. That, Father, as we sit in this congregation, we would not just be further informed, but, oh, Jesus, we would be transformed by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I began a ministry over 30 years ago. I'm a BC kid transplanted here in Ontario, and I, I actually began ministry in Oshawa, Ontario. And uh, we did communion service once a month, and it was a very traditional, very formal church. And we had a large communion table, and the way we would do the communion is the senior pastor, he would, he would lead the communion service, and I was his associate, so I would dutifully assist him. And then at the, the very end of the service, we would all kind of walk out, the senior pastor, and I'd walk behind him, and then all of the elders would line up behind me, and we'd sort of walk out like the Keystone Cops, you know, and go to the, the back of the church and greet our people. Well, this particular Sunday, everything had been going absolutely amazing. But, but at, at, at our communion table, there was a microphone that actually hung over like this with a cord connected to it. And as we were going out in our procession, I followed behind the senior pastor, and my foot actually got tangled in the cord that was connected to the microphone. And so I tripped, fell forward, and the microphone swung around and hit the elder behind me in the throat. Well, he lost his balance and fell into the next elder who fell into the next elder who fell into the next elder. And there by the communion table was a large pile of spiritual leadership. (laughs) I learned a very valuable lesson that day. The steps of a leader have a direct impact on those who follow. (laughs) Every one of you in this room is a leader. Every one of you is a person on mission. And every one of you influences those around you. 
And I want to declare to you this morning that if we're going to reach the remaining 4,000 unreached people groups of the world, it will not be through better strategies. It will not be through more efficient methods. It will not even be through a more compelling vision. What we need today is men and women who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus took a deep breath and he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Ah, this is a foretaste of what they would fully experience on the day of Pentecost. And directly after that powerful commission, as as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He breathed on his disciples. Jesus is declaring that without the Holy Spirit, we can accomplish nothing. A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, wrote these words. He said, we need a larger baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are capacities in the human spirit that none of us has ever yet begun to realize. New baptisms awaken the torment powers that we did not know we possess. As Simpson gathered together with the seven original people who began the, the Christian and Missionary Alliance movement in a dusty, dingy dance hall in the middle of New York City, He opened the word of God, and this is what he proclaimed. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by my spirit, thus says the Lord. And the power of God descended upon them. And they planted a church in the the inner city of New York, but they began a glorious global movement. And within six short years, over 600 young men and women went to the outermost parts of the world to places like the Congo, places like Tibet, and many of them never returned to the shores of North America. They gave their lives for the cause. They actually believed that Christ was Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Hallelujah Coming King. They were men and women filled with the Holy Spirit of God, an unstoppable force for the kingdom of Jesus. Simpson said the message that God has given to us is a message steeped in the Holy Spirit. A message that leads men and women to seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit without exaggeration, without fanaticism, without unscripturalness of any kind. All that power can be and yet with the spirit of a sound mind. That would be a great tattoo. Use whatever term you wish, church. Filling of the Spirit, fullness of the Spirit, baptism of the Spirit, deeper life, higher life, fuller life, victorious life. The key reality is that God is calling us into a defining experience where we encounter a fresh outpouring of Christ-revealing, heart-reviving, sin-defeating, boldness-producing power. So here is the invitation. We give ourselves to Him and He takes us. We bring an empty hand and He fills it. We are the capacity and He is the supply. We are the temple and He occupies it. Oh, we are the channel and He flows through it. Let us receive Him into every pore and every fiber of our being. Let every cord and every member be a channel for His indwelling and His in working. Oh, Simpson said, I thought I was filled with the Holy Spirit. But he said, I was never filled to overwhelming. I was never filled to overflowing. I was never baptized or immersed in the Holy Spirit. He said, it's like I had a little bit of the ocean in a bottle and God wanted to put the bottle into the ocean. I want to declare to you, my friends, my family, that what God is saying to us today is that he wants us to engage in a fuller expression of the power of the Spirit, that we would rise up on our feet as a vast army to reach the nations of the world in Jesus' name. And so, Tozer puts it this way. 
He says one of the characteristics that marks the average church today is a lack of anticipation. Christians, when they meet together, do not expect anything unusual to happen. Consequently, only the usual happens. And that usual is as predictable as the setting of the sun. What we need today is a fresh spirit of anticipation that springs out of the promises of God. We must declare war on the mood of non-expectation. Another great tattoo. And come together with childlike faith. Only then can we know again the beauty and the wonder of the Lord's presence among us. Church, are you anticipating? As we, we sit in this auditorium, as we hear the proclamation of God's word, is it business as usual here? Because my great fear for the Christian Missionary Alliance is business as usual results in usual business. And this is a time for an unusual anointing and outpouring of God's Spirit upon His church. I am tired of the Christian Missionary Alliance being explainable. The only thing that ought to explain us is that the glory of Almighty God has come upon His church. And we are an unstoppable force for the King of Kings and for the Lord of Lords. So I want to dare you today. <laughs> I want to dare you to expect, to expect without agenda. Because I am convinced that God wants to unleash more of his power and more of his presence within us. And it begins with daring expectations, but no agenda. First of all, I want to challenge you to expect the Spirit's supernatural intervention. I'm going to invite you into Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. Where, where we really see the outworking of, of this breath that, that was breathed upon the disciples. We actually see it worked out in, 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 in what it means to be on mission at ground level. Expectation of God's supernatural intervention. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. And Peter and John are simply going up to the temple as they've normally done. And there's a man that has been crippled since birth. He's 40 years old. And he's there at the, the gate beautiful and he's begging for money. And as Peter and John walk by, they, they hear the cry of, of, of his desire for, for resources. And, and there's this profound moment where, where Peter, filled with the Spirit of God, looks at this man and he says, look at us. And immediately as he says, look at us, the man looks at them with great anticipation. This could be a big payoff, bigger than you can imagine, my friend. And Peter says, silver and gold we do not have. But what we do have, we give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And all of a sudden, this man, whose legs have been anemic since birth, are filled with strength and power, and he stands to his feet for the first time in 40 years. Can you imagine it? And he is so overwhelmed with the presence and power of God's supernatural intervention that he can't stand still. He jumps with glorious praise and adoration to God. A.B. Simpson declared that the alliance stands preeminently for a belief in supernatural things and hallelujah in a supernatural God. I got a call from our Iranian church out west. And the pastor said to me, David, there's been an outbreak of healing in our church. These are great calls to get, let me tell you. I said, explain what happened. He said, a, a week ago, I was meeting with my, my leadership team. And we were reading through James chapter 5 and we realized that we had never ever in the history of our church invited people forward and anointed them for, for healing. And so we decided that next Sunday we would do that. 
And one of the elders said, well, what kind of oil should we get? And, and another said, well, Costco's got great oil. So they went out and they bought a tub of oil from Costco. And so the next Sunday arrives and the, the pastor preaches a passionate message on healing. And then they lug this big jug of Costco oil up onto the platform. And he gives a call for people to come forward. The entire church comes forward. And everyone is anointed and prayed for. And everyone is healed in Jesus' name. People who had been possessed by demons were delivered instantly. People who were oppressed by depression were set free in Jesus' name. A woman who had had a skin disease that, that was absolutely horrible. They watched as her skin became absolutely pristine instantly by the power of God. People who experienced long-term illnesses and, and, and difficulties and pain for years were instantly delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. I visited with these folks. And I was overwhelmed by testimony after testimony of the Spirit's supernatural healing intervention in their lives. Now, folks, I know that not everybody who's prayed for gets healed. And I know there's some of you in this room that are filled with faith and hope and God has not healed you at this point. And I realize that it's all about God's glory and God's sovereign plan. But my fear is that we've stopped expecting God's supernatural intervention in our churches. And I believe what happened in that Iranian church ought to be the rule, not the exception. Amen. That we ought to believe in the power of God's supernatural work within his church and within his people. I dare you to move to that place of anticipation to expect the supernatural intervention of the Holy Spirit. Second, I dare you to expect the Holy Spirit's transforming presence. In this moment, as the man has been healed and he's rejoicing in the midst of his his newfound strength and his new reality, a crowd begins to gather. And as the crowd begins to gather, they recognize this is the man we've seen every day for the last 40 years And something supernatural has happened in his life. And there's this beautiful moment as Peter realizes a crowd has gathered. I might as well preach. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, begins to preach a powerful sermon of transformation. And here is the punchline of his sermon. He declares to these Israelites, you killed the author of life. That's pretty daring preaching. You killed the author of life. But God has raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. And in that moment, stirring in the hearts of those Israelites is a hunger and thirst. And then Peter declares, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And many who heard the message believed. So that the number of men and women who believe grew to about 5,000. Do we expect God's transforming presence? Do we anticipate that God still takes people from the kingdom of darkness and puts them into the kingdom of light? The whole basis of mission is the belief that God transforms people. Do we anticipate his transforming work in our lives and in the lives of others? Agnes and I were recently in Quito, Ecuador, and they had a large missions conference and brought together all of the Latin American leaders for this incredible moment. And I was there to teach a seminar simply entitled The Holy Spirit and Mission. 
Now, whenever I speak on these occasions, I'm always a little worried about the interpreter because I'm fairly animated. And sometimes if your interpreter is not very animated, it actually looks incredibly awkward. They found a Latino interpreter that was more animated than me. It was completely out of control. And so as this group gathered for this, this seminar, I began to teach. And as, as we came to the conclusion, the spirit of God descended upon us. And there was this holy hush in the room. And to be honest with you, I hadn't expected God to show up in that way. And so I was overwhelmed and I didn't know what to do. And so out of my own insecurity and out of my own fear, I turned to the interpreter and I said, tell them they're dismissed. And the moment I said that, I was overwhelmed with the grief of the spirit. And as everybody left the room, I said, oh, God, if you give me another opportunity like this, I will never, ever do that again. Fortunately, I had another seminar, same topic. People came in, they filled the room, they went out into the hallways. And again, I proclaimed God's word. And again, a holy hush as the presence of Jesus came. And I turned to the interpreter and I said something like this, turn them loose. And the room flooded with words of praise and adoration, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophetic words, songs that were sung spontaneously, crying and laughter, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit that was so dynamic and palpable. I leaned against the wall, overwhelmed with wave after wave after wave of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit of God. And a woman came up to me and said, David, you need to know all over Latin America, there are groups of people who are praying for a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to come. She said, today, I think we felt a breeze. I think we felt a breeze. Oh, people of God, do we expect God's transforming power to descend upon us? Are there moments that are so pregnant with the power of God that we need to linger longer rather than leave early? And lean into what the fullness of the Spirit of God wants to do in our lives. When I was here last time, I told you about a revival that's broken out in Cuba, of all places. Twenty of our alliance pastors gathered together and had a vision. To have people praying one hour of every day, 365 days out of the year, for revival to come to Cuba. And it began to spread. It became contagious. And Agnes and I were there when 450 leaders from 50 different denominations gathered together for their first annual prayer conference sanctioned by a communist government. Can you believe it? And the first order of business. And you always know you're in the presence of God's transforming, reviving reality when the first order of business is repentance. And as these leaders gathered together, they began to repent for ways in which they had not worked together, ways in which they had slandered each other. And they spontaneously began to, to wash one another's feet as a sign of that repentance. And you had Baptists washing the Pentecostals' feet, and Pentecostals washing the Baptists' feet, and the, the Alliance, we were washing everybody's feet. It was glorious. <laughs> and in that holy moment, the power of God descended upon that meeting. And with a glorious crescendo, they stood to their feet, 450 leaders, 50 different denominations. And they began to chant over and over again, Christ for Cuba, Cuba for the nations, Christ for Cuba, Cuba for the nations. And their vision is to send out their first missionaries to the Arab nations of the world. 
Friends, if God can bring a revival in a communist country and stir their hearts to send people to the Arab nations of the world, then hallelujah, God can bring revival to Canada. And we are desperate for it. Because we are so well fed. And yet the urgency is not to receive more, but to take what we have received and to share it with a dying world in Jesus' name. To be people who expect the transforming power of God. I dare you. And third, I dare you to expect the gift of the Holy Spirit's boldness. As this incredible moment of transformation is happening, not everybody is really pleased. And three arch enemies, the temple guard, the priests, and the Sadducees, who literally hate each other, form an allegiance together because they hate something more. And they are so fearful of Peter and John because they are actually proclaiming that Jesus Christ, whom they crucified, is now raised from the dead. And so they throw Peter and John into prison overnight. And then they gather all of their religious heavyweights together and they come to Peter and John. And this is the question they ask, by what power or what name did you do this? And notice, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called in account today for an act of kindness shown to a lame man, and you are now asking, how is it that he was healed? Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. That's boldness. And then he goes on to declare, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Oh, my passion for the Christian Missionary Alliance is that People would look at our lives and say, we can't explain what's going on with those people except they must be hanging out with Jesus. There is something palpable about their passion, about their boldness, something unstoppable about their character that reflects the very character of Jesus. And so these leaders are perplexed. What do they do? The man who is healed is right there, right in their midst. And so they decide that they're simply going to scold them and say, do not speak about Jesus anymore. And I love the response of Peter and John. Well, you got to make a decision then, whether we're going to believe God or whether we're going to trust you. But as for us, here's the deal. We can't help but speak about what we have seen and heard. Is that not mission? <laughs> Is that not at its very core, the essence of mission, that we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard in Jesus? And here's the beautiful moment. As Peter and John go back to the church, go back to that, that group of people and share all that has been going on, notice what they pray for. They don't pray, oh God, get us out of Jerusalem. It's too scary here. Or, oh God, remove us from the persecution. Do you know what they pray for? Oh God, enable us to have more boldness. Isn't that amazing? And the place where they were was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God more boldly. 
Friends, the very strategy that Satan uses to try and stop the church becomes the very thing that advances the church. Is that not incredible? And here in this text, we see that all of the effort to actually put down their communication about Jesus spins around and becomes the very emphasis for them to be more bold and more powerful than they ever had before in proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Friends, I just got back from Iraq, and I know you're hearing all kinds of things on the news, but I want to declare to you that the church of Jesus Christ is alive and well and flourishing in the midst of a war zone. We have four churches in Iraq. We have one in Baghdad, one in Arabil, one in Mosul. Mosul is Nineveh. Jonah is buried there. And a place called Dehuk. And as we went and got involved with what was happening there. We realized that in the midst of a war zone, that there are cracks that are opening up in the Arab world and opportunities for the gospel that have never been present before. A completely unreached people group known as the Yazidis were chased out of their villages, out of fear because of ISIS, and they ended up in Dehuk. And we were there offering them clothing and care and love in Jesus' name. And we couldn't legally hand out Bibles, but we could let them steal them. It was wonderful. (laughs) And so as we turned our backs, they stole the Word of God. It was awesome. And friends, today, a completely unreached people group, the Yazidis, has the Word of God in their hands. And we are committed as a Christian Missionary Alliance to plant the very first church among the Yazidis in Iraq for the glory of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Courage and boldness inspired by the Holy Spirit. I met a young man there. He had just become a believer. He was a dentist and he was actually going to leave his practice and he was going to join with the church to to help reach out to the displaced people in Iraq. And when his father-in-law heard about this, he was absolutely paralyzed. And his father-in-law actually offered the church $200,000 not to work with his son-in-law. And when his son-in-law heard this, he went to his father-in-law. And this is an actual quote. He said this to his father-in-law. People have come from all over to join ISIS. And they are here now destroying and killing and bringing fear. And now Christians are coming from all over the world and they are bringing help, love and hope. Which religion would you choose? I'm going to be a Christian and I'm going to help them. The very strategy that Satan uses to stop the church becomes the very thing that advances the church in Jesus name. Muslims are coming to Christ because their brothers and sisters are not helping them. It's Christians who are showing up on the scene willing to risk their lives for the cause of Christ. So what bold step is God inviting you into? What does it mean for you to be on mission here in this community? are perhaps in the uttermost parts of the world. There's an amazing move of God in Latin America. And as Agnes and I were in there with this, this group of wonderful believers, they gave an altar call at the very end. And, and I almost brought one with me. I couldn't get it, Cinder, but I wanted to bring a great big globe. Because if you go to the next slide, this is what they had at the missions conference. It was a huge globe, 72 inches wide. And... and At the very end of the conference, they put it in the front of the room. And then they invited people to come forward. 
They invited people to come forward who were experiencing the filling of the Holy Spirit and were sensing a call to go. And we watched as the whole front of the church became flooded with people. And if you go to the next slide, they began to put their hands on places of the globe where God was calling them to go. And every place they put their hand was an unreached people group. (laughs) And I stood in the midst of that moment, tears streaming down my face. And thinking of all of my, my family in Canada. And saying, this is a profound moment for the church of Jesus Christ. So where would you put your hand? Where is God leaning into your soul? And saying, expect. Oh, expect my supernatural intervention. Expect my transforming power. Expect to be filled with a spirit of boldness. To be the whole church. Bringing the whole gospel, hallelujah, to the whole world. So I pray for us. And recently in my prayer time, I felt God gave me a word for us. And so take it from my heart to your heart. But this is what I sense God was saying to the Christian Missionary Alliance. And if you go to the very next slide, it simply is this. I want to wake up a sleepy denomination. Oh, the fire needs to come again. I'm not finished with the Christian Missionary Alliance, but there has been drift. Mission without power, programs without passion, worship without intimacy. Many are longing for more. Tell them. Tell them there is more. My voice will be heard. My power will be unleashed. My will will be accomplished. This is my mission. It cannot be stopped. This rivets in my soul. This is the urgency with which I call our churches to a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. To a fresh hunger for Jesus. To a fresh riveting power to be on mission all the time, everywhere, everyone. So where does it start? How do you apply a message like this? One word. Thirst. Just be thirsty. Come with a radical sense of, oh, Spirit of the living God, just fill me. I don't have this all figured out. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But I know that I can't do anything without the power of the Spirit. Shall we pray? Father, in this holy moment, as we're gathered in the quietness of this place, Spirit of the living God, come upon us. Bring a fresh anointing upon us. Hallelujah, bring a baptism of fire upon us. That, Lord, all that we have heard and all that we've been engaged in over these these last few weeks, That today, Father, there would be a deep urgency, a deep thirst for you, and a willingness to simply say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whenever you want me to do it, my answer in advance is yes. Hallelujah. And Spirit of the living God, come and fill me.
And Jesus took a deep breath. And he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. For the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. Amen, amen, and amen. You are a precious people. And may the love of God the Father fall fresh on you today. And every place where you're fearful, every place where you're uncertain, every place where you feel so undone, would the incredible love, the unlimited love of God the Father move into every space of your soul and fill you with shalom. Would the incredible grace of the Lord Jesus Christ sweep over you like a mighty wave? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your sin has been forgiven. Hallelujah. Your shame has been taken away. You do not have to live in the shadows. Come into the fullness of the light. And with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, fill you with boldness. That every place you put your foot, demons would have to flee in Jesus' name. That the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work in you. Be bold, church. Be courageous, church, for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. On mission, all the time, everywhere, everyone. Amen.